The Fail On Podcast, episode 011. And so for me, everything coalesces. Is like, is it in line with exploring? Is it in line with teaching and guiding? Is it in line with helping the entrepreneurs or the artists or the explorers of this world shape it? And if so, that's what I'm doing. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hey there, and welcome to the show that believes you are destined for more and that failing your way to an inspired life is the only way to get there. Today, we are hanging out and learning from Chris Plow. He is a big-time adventurer and explorer. He founded a company called Mavenwire, which became an eight-figure global consulting and hosting company before selling it. He's just a great dude overall, and we'll be chatting directly from Eleuthera in the Bahamas, and we'll be discussing what three primary factors one must look at in starting a new business, how extreme tragedy completely shifted his perspective on both life and business, and how adventures and experiences have allowed him to grow personally, professionally, and why he wants to share that gift with others. But first, if you'd like to stay up to date on all the Fail On podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest... Simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. That's failon.com. Chris, welcome to the Fail On Podcast, my man. Yeah, thank you, man. Glad to be here. So let's just jump right into it, man. Let's go into your journey. How did you get started in business and entrepreneurship? And at what point in your life was this? Yeah, no problem. I tried to start a few very crappy businesses starting from when I was like, man, I think it was, must have been like 19 years old. I had traveled across the country to live in Pennsylvania under the pretense of going to school at Penn State, but really it's because I was in love with this girl, right? We're, oh, of course. We're That's what it always comes girl. down to, right? Yeah. And I was making next to nothing and I was trying to find ways to make money. I think my first was I created this like forms on a disc program and I, I called the company like Rivenware. It, it was crap. It was a horrible nothing. Yeah. I never went anywhere with it. But I kept trying like little ideas like that over the years. Nothing really came through. Ended up working for a startup and getting a sense of what a real business was like, in the, especially in the software realm. And that really formed a lot of my vision of entrepreneurship. And then when that startup was acquired by Oracle, I left because Oracle just wasn't my cup of tea. And I started a company called Maven Wire. And we had the expertise there. I was the one who had designed the technical architecture for what was then Oracle Transportation Management. So it had a distinct advantage. And a lot of the original developers and people who had worked the software in. So we had a competitive advantage against everybody else. Now, I'm telling you this in hindsight. It wasn't all necessarily sure. planned out that well. Trust me. It never is. It never, <laughs> never, never is. And that was the company for me that really solidified my entrepreneurship. And I learned most of my lessons through sure. and where I found the bulk of my success through. Just for some context, when was this and are you still involved with that company today? Yeah. Started the company in May of 2006 and had been a 10-year journey and was just sold, acquired last year and is now part of a company called Bright Order, which is run by a friend of mine, Kenton Ho, and another friend, Jay Georgie. Kenton Ho is the owner. And the beautiful part about that is 
number one is they're continuing and taking care of a family that I really care about because it became evident to me that the mission of that particular company just wasn't in line with what I wanted to do with my life. And so I feel very fortunate for that. And then second, they actually have better capabilities to help Mavenwire, in this case, Bright Order, achieve what I'd hoped it would achieve from the beginning. So it's almost this continuation of... I saw this path of the company and there became another way to achieve that, that I didn't have to spend my life doing. And so there was a lot of fulfillment in that particular choice and made it easier to go down that route. So with that said, what is it that you want to do with your life if obviously that's not it? Yeah. What are you drawn to now? I think you get to a point. I mean, you can talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and everything else, right? But we get to a point where we're looking for something deeper than traditional success, right? Sometimes... I can't say everybody, but I can say a lot of people that I know that I get the opportunity to hang around, get to a point of traditional success, which could be money and things or prestige or fame or whatever it might be, find it empty and hollow and then spend time trying to figure out, okay, what is it that actually fulfills me? What is it that actually drives me, gives meaning to my life? How can I use these massive skills that I have in whatever area, right? Whether they're entrepreneurial or artistic or whatever else, and how can I take them and apply them into the world in a way that makes a difference? And that's what I care about. I want to equip entrepreneurs specifically for the world that's coming. Because if you look at all the shifts in technology, you look at this movement from ambition to fulfillment. I think that that's the incredible journey that I want to help other people through. And I think by doing so, we can create a world that is full of world shapers and people who can take this world into a, I think, the direction that it's meant to go in. And those might be hard words, right? But I think that you can create an army of good. Let me put it that way. And that an army of good using these tools and technology and everything that's coming can have a phenomenal impact upon the world as we know it. So you're looking to help entrepreneurs that are pretty much already established kind of kind of forego the, the empty, hollow feeling that maybe you felt just to get quicker to more of a place of fulfillment. Is that pretty much accurate? Yeah, and because that's a journey I understand, right? And so, And there's people within that realm that I know. However, and I'm really glad you brought this up, so thank you. What I'm also finding, which is incredibly interesting, is as I talk to more and more younger entrepreneurs, and by younger, I'm talking entrepreneurs who are in, like, say, 20s, especially early to mid-20s, sometimes later 20s, and whose you know businesses are just getting going. They're making six figures. They've accomplished a lot, but they see that the path that a lot of us have followed in the years previous or the generation previous isn't the path that they have to go down, Right. And so instead of going A to B, B being that point of emptiness and hollowness, and then trying to find a way to C, they're asking the question directly, how do I get to C directly? That's the path I want because I want more meaning and fulfillment in my life. And so I think that you have these two groups, the ones who have been there and done that and don't know where to go. And the ones who say, why would I even want to do that? Why can't I just go directly towards where the future is going? Right. And I never thought about this before, but it also kind of reminds me of that Wayne Gretzky quote go where the puck is going because that's what the younger entrepreneurs are looking for rather than trying to follow where has the puck been. That's an analogy. So what would you say to somebody that's not necessarily at that six figure business yet Mm. and they're not necessarily even thinking about fulfillment. Maybe they are like in the back of their mind, but they just want to get a business up and running and get something off the ground. Like that's their number one priority. What would you advise to them if you were to sit somebody down or maybe it was even your younger self like what would you say to that person with the with the path you've already gone down 
So it depends, right? Every, I think advice is contextual. It depends on who you're talking to, what's going on in their life, right? So, but if we generalize this a little bit, first, sometimes you just need to do something to learn the lesson. I'll be honest with you. I needed to, to run Mavenwire as it was, even though it wasn't you know, my ultimate life mission, to learn some incredible lessons. When I went into Mavenwire, I was very egocentric. I had to be the person to do stuff. I had to be the person to get the recognition, right? And it was within Mavenwire that I learned the concept of teams and how to build a beautiful culture and how to enable people to accomplish things and the scale that can be accomplished when you allow others to do what they're best at to their best ability and with full responsibility, mm-hmm. right? So I had to have that lesson in order to enable me to where I am now. And that could be true for everybody. So I'd say, depending on where you are, what is the lesson that you need to learn to enable your bigger dreams? Mm. Never forget your bigger dreams, but take a look and see if they are in alignment. If the lesson that you could learn through this path, even if it's not where you ultimately want to be, enables you to be a step or two steps or three steps closer to that ultimate bigger dream, do it. Why not? The least that could happen is you get down a few months, you have a bunch of lessons, and then you recalibrate and try something new. The other thing I look at whenever I'm looking at any business opportunity, because we're talking about business specifically, is I look at any opportunity as the nexus between motivation, something I want to do, motivation or desire, between ability, right? And then between what the market wants. And so if you do have a strong motivation to do it, a strong desire to do it, you have a strong ability to do it well, and the market wants it, that's a great business opportunity. But if you, one of those is missing or one of those is lacking, it may work for a period of time, but it won't work over the long duration. Makes sense. So with, with that said, let's say somebody doesn't even know what they want yet. They don't know who they are. They don't know what their ultimate dream is. They don't know... They haven't really gotten clarity because that's not an easy thing to come up like to just know, especially a young person, to know this is my ultimate dream, my ultimate vision. This is the person I want to become. What do you say to that person that doesn't really know exactly where they want their life to go? They just know they've got something inside of them ready to burst out. They feel they have the Hmm. potential for more than what they're currently doing, whether it's a job, whether it's it doesn't matter whether they're still in school. What would you say to that person? So it's going to be a little similar to the last advice because I believe that momentum is important, right? When you stop moving, then you stop learning, things stop coming your way, et cetera. So if there is a step in front of you that is available and at least brings you some level of interest or excitement, Mm. take it. Unless it's something that's going to cause you peril in your life. You talked about adventures earlier. So Mm. I look at adventures in business very similarly. It's my, my rules for it are fairly simple. It's Will this make a good story? Will I learn a good lesson from it? And do I expect to come back alive? Right? And you can think the same thing in business, except instead of alive, it might be, you know, financially like solvent or have some ability to continue on in whatever way that is. So take that step, whatever that step is, it could be starting your own business. It could be apprenticing for somebody and helping them out. It could be joining somebody's startup and learning from their particular lesson. Mm. One of the, the you know best points of my life was when I joined G-Log, that startup where we created logistics software, and I got to be part of an incredible team because for the first time in my life, I learned what that incredible team felt like. I learned what I could and wanted to create in future companies. I learned what a small group of 10 highly dedicated people could create in what short amount of time. And it was, was massive. It shifted my mindset. However, along that way, uh, I'd recommend you could continue to do 
journaling or look at your core values or there's a few other little exercises yeah. you could do in order to get a clear idea of who you are at the core what it is that drives you at the core and how can you create something that's in alignment with that particular mm-hmm. core so while that process will take time it's one like it's steps if you never take those steps you'll never get there but you can do that alongside something else that's going on in your life and teaching you the lessons you need or the skills mm-hmm. you need and the path is never direct so i'm going to take a few steps back in my timeline. Maybe this is helpful. I have an incredibly diverse background, which I am now finding all these little pieces coming to bear in my life, but I never actually knew if they would actually coalesce. What I mean by that is I grew up being massively interested in computers, taking them apart, disassembling them, learning to program a bunch of stuff all on my own, right? So I had this computer background. Then I got involved with this mentor and he taught me how to weld and do construction and Mm. build stuff, right? I went to school for computer engineering, ran out of money, dropped out, joined a startup, and then that whole computer thing really kind of took off, and all the skills that I had built kind of continued through there. At the same time, because I knew I would always have a job, I went back to school, and I went back to school for theater arts. I have a degree in acting and directing and design. I created like a, <laughs> a fake graduate program because they allowed me to, after I graduated, yeah. around design and everything else, right? And then I go on these oddball adventures. And I never thought all of this could happen in one life. It was like, yeah, it's it's crazy. like do you have adventure plow? Do you have theater plow? Do you <laughs> right. have like, business plow? You know, or computer geek plow? And welding and, and using welding your hands. Plow, and, right? Yeah. And what I'm finding is actually all of these things are coming together. Some of them directly, some of them not. I did just get done with, with a project where we created a ship and an art installation that's going to be sunk in the BVIs to create one of the world's best dive sites. And I use my, my welding and construction mm. skills again for the first time in years, right? But usually I use that indirectly. I know how to disassemble things in my mind and I know how to build up architectures in my mind that may not be physical. They may be businesses. They may be strategies. They can mm. be things along those lines. But those skills are used every day in my life. So the path and the little lessons that you learn, the skills that you learn, they may sometimes seem completely disparate and completely unrelated. But if you start to get a sense of where your life is going, you can then see how they come to bear. I'm beginning to do a lot of speaking and other things with my life because I want to get this message out and I want to affect as many people as possible. That theater background I have is becoming incredibly helpful in that. I also found it helpful when I was starting my company and I had to get in front of a bunch of CEOs and CTOs in order to sell our software and right. sell the, our services to them. And it was like, okay, I am professional plow, right? No problem. <laughs> we got this. I have no fear. <laughs> right. So that's a long-winded way of saying take action. Learn the lesson now. Understand by doing deeper work about understanding your core in order to figure out how these lessons and how these skills tie in together and allow them to come together into something that's much more in alignment with Mm. what you ultimately want, who you are deeper as a being. I think there's some good nuggets in there, man, because I think one thing a lot of young people don't do is take the time to get to know themselves, write down their core values, figure out who they are, figure out what they believe in, figure out where they want to go in life. And I think on the kind of on the flip side of that is they might be looking for I think everybody at the beginning thinks their first business is going to be the only business they do in their life, right? <laughs> they think, for whatever reason, I don't know, it's so weird because I felt the same way. I was like, oh, I've got to have the perfect business because this is what I'm doing the rest of my life. And in reality, I mean, how many businesses have we have we started? Probably a lot, you know? So I think, like you said, taking action's the most important thing. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be 
like you said, you have theater plow, you have professional plow, you have all these different things. So along those lines, I think it's really important not just to take a step forward in your business, but take a step doing a bunch of different stuff, little micro tests, trying to figure out who you are, figure out what you like, gaining new skill sets. Because eventually, like you said, whether you want them to or not, it'll somehow come together and coalesce into, into who you are and lead you down the right path. So I think that was really, really well said and really well articulated. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. And I'm just going to add two yeah, things please. into that, if you don't mind. One is, and you talked about like, you know, theater plow and professional plow. Mm. The cool thing is, as this comes together, as you get to know yourself, now I just sit in front of people and I'm plow. Right there, sure. there is yeah. no like different facet. You get me, but because yeah. I understand me, I've right. taken that time. The other thing that you said, and I hope I'm not leading a question. So yeah, please, no, go ahead. taking those steps, I, I just want to recognize and mm-hmm. just call out. I mean, there's a lot of fear involved in that. There is yeah. for all of us. I, you know, have created these companies and I've had success in my life, and I'm now going back and starting. It was last year I started from zero. I'm like, okay, great, boom, sold. Mm. What's new? I felt incredible anxiety and fear about doing this and, and the, the desire not to take action, right? Yeah. Because to take action means that you're putting yourself a bit on the line. You're feeling vulnerable. You could be criticized, totally. all of these things. And that never really goes away. So right. I want to just dissolve that, that idea that yep. this goes away. It's there. It's always there. What I've learned is when I feel those feelings, I look at it and go, is this anxiety or is it true fear? Right, And when you have life experiences, you can begin to, to differentiate them. Anxiety is just something that you are anxious about, nervous about, and it's this tension that keeps you from action. Fear is something where your body is going, this is dangerous, mm. truly dangerous, and I don't want to do it. If, if I do this, we could get hurt, or the body may just freeze up, right. Right? or the mind may freeze up. Respect fear. Fear is worth respecting and everything else, but it is very different from the anxieties and everything else that we consider to be fear. And if you can start to feel that difference, always lean into anxiety. Just gently lean into it, man, and say, look, I don't feel comfortable, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to take action regardless, but respect fear. And fear may be something that you have to look at and go, okay, why do I truly feel this fear? And is there something that I need to address first before I can move past that fear? And that's how I look at that scenario in order to allow for action. Yep. That's exactly it, man. And that's why I was really excited to have you on because that's the whole, the whole mantra here is fail on. And it's, it's embracing, leaning into not only fear, but also like failure because they're almost hand in hand in my mind, you know, fear of failure. I don't mean failure in this respect that it's a total loss, right? It's just getting outside your comfort zone and learning, right? Getting uncomfortable, which you embody amazingly. <laughs> so let's, well, you know, with that segue, let's go right into some of, some of your craziest adventures. What's, how do you find yourself leaning into those fears, you know, through adventure, through your day-to-day? I'd love to hear more. Yeah, no problem. I've come to understand that at my core, I'm an explorer. Like I am just ever curious. I want to know and, and literally experience as much of this world as possible, right? To take the comfort zone as you talk about. And I want, by the time I'm done with this world, to have that comfort zone as wide as possible. Sure. You know, I mean, I can hang out with my redneck like, like relatives <laughs> on a, a porch and yep. you know, kick back some, some beer. I can go to a fancy soiree. It doesn't matter. I go to the Arctic Circle and survive there in sub-40 mm. temperatures. Like I've just created this comfort zone by continually leaning in. I'm driven to like I at my core want to have these. And so it makes it easier for me to lean into them. Not easy because every time we hit something that's uncomfortable, like the body wants to recoil, the Mm -hmm. mind wants to recoil. But I look at it with that curiosity explorer mindset of what can I learn here? Mm. And I, 
believe that the reason there's a shift here that happens when you look at things as an explorer or as from curiosity, mm-hmm. even from empathy, in that you then begin to look at it beyond yourself, right? So instead of like being so self-focused when you're exploring something new and, and you know, what if I mess up? What if I can't do this, etc.? You begin to look at it, go, well, what is this like? What are their lives like? What would it be like to be in this situation? And you start to transcend self a little bit. When you do that, the fears go down because it's now less about you and it's more about the experience. It's more about the environment, more about the lesson, more about other people. I hear a lot of speakers, I'm not speaking much at this point, but I hear a lot of speakers also say the same thing in terms of getting out of their fear going on stage. They make it less about themselves and what they're saying and what people are going to think about them. They make it more about how they're going to impact the audience. Mm -hmm. So it sounds very similar. Just wanted to interject that. I think you're absolutely right. And it is. And, you know, again, I'll I'll talk directly to that one. Even having a theater background and having performed in front Mm -hmm. of hundreds at one point, like, you know, a thousand or so people getting on stage when I started getting back on stage and stuff nerve-wracking man like it was all about <laughs> sure. me and i'm like oh my god i gotta get there and i'd stammer it was like the worst yeah. speaker ever and then i remember i was on stage with american dream you and something just clicked and i was just my focus went entirely to the audience and then i felt such an ease sure. right because it's like well they're here they want to learn how can i help them learn and it became as simple as that yeah, right such an interesting it's just a perspective shift right mm-hmm. that's really all it is and it it's crazy how much that opens you up and releases you from being being scared. Exactly. So so with that lesson like taken in life, like so if you're meeting somebody new or going to a new place, instead of, oh, what are they gonna think about me mm. or man, am I wearing the right clothes? Right. It's like, you know, what can I learn about them? Mm. What can I bring into their life in order to like make this fun? How can I make this like evening fun with them? You know, whatever it may be. Yep. And um, they're probably having the same fears you're having. That's it. And so you actually make their lives easier. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They get to open up and as they open up, it makes your life easier mm. as well. Mm. So by serving somebody else, yep. and I think this is a theme in life. It's a huge lesson. You serve somebody else and you get served in return. Right. Yep. No, it's, it's huge. So what's, what's the craziest adventure you've done the absolute craziest i mean for me like going through going through your little intro speaking and speaking on stage naked i mean like i get terrified thinking about speaking on stage as is <laughs> what in the world well, tell me the story to be clear i wasn't speaking on stage so much as this is back in my theater days Just um, standing on stage we were doing a performance of hair okay, right? okay. Uh, hair the musical and there's a point at which we all get like naked on stage so it's and not just you up there by yourself. It was, so it wasn't me by myself. Okay. It was kind of an artistic moment. And so you're kind of in the fervor of the moment and everything else. That being said, I think I find it easier to be naked in front of people than most. Like we're, <laughs> sure. we're, we're practicing this, right? We're doing our rehearsals for this. And there's a point at which we get underneath this like a parachute. And then you take off our clothes and the parachute comes down and we're all naked, right? Yeah. First time in rehearsal, everybody's like, uh. <laughs> we get underneath and they're like, okay, this is the first time we're getting naked, guys. All right. right. So like, you know, the the parachute goes up we get under it i'm like take off all my clothes and i look around and i'm the only one under there like <laughs> naked everybody else is kind of like uh like really slowly taking uh, stuff off so that one might be slightly easier for me the adventure for me honestly that yeah. was the most arduous it was the the trip to siberia it was it took a, a motorcycle and sidecar with some other people right so there we ended up traveling in a group of three year olds three motorcycles and sidecars got it and there were five of us so you know, two in one, two in another, and then me and extra baggage in mine. And we traveled 1,200 miles 
through Siberia, starting at this town called Irvit, and then all the way up into the Arctic Circle, mm. through the ice roads of Siberia, camping outside at times at minus 30 and minus 40 degrees. Ooh. But we met these incredible people along the way. So it wasn't completely desolate. You find towns and stuff sure. along the way. Got invited into people's homes, and they shared their, their meals with us. Mm. Physically, it's absolutely the hardest thing I've had to do. And I had to face a lot of fears in that particular journey of one of my biggest fears is permanent damage to my body, right? Because yep. we have to live in this body for the rest of our yep. lives. And if you damage it, if I do something, like it blow out a knee, lose some toes, whatever might happen, I have to live with that for the rest of my mm. life. And that concept has always haunted me. And the first night we're camping outside, I had a horrible experience. And I literally thought I was going to lose my toes. And I spent nine hours that night in a sleeping bag, slowly bringing a foot up, using my hand to caress my feet back into to motion to get mm. blood flowing back into them. Yep. I can only do one foot at a time. And then I have to drop it and do the other one back and forth to keep blood circulating in my feet because my body just wasn't used to the temperatures right. and I wasn't as well prepared that night as I could have been. It scared the bejesus out of me. And I spent a good couple hours of that, that time, like, out of my mind, like with fear. And then I had to sink into it. I had to relax. I had to calm myself and then spent hours more just doing it almost in meditative state sure. and came to peace with it. And then by the time morning came, I felt incredibly like the gratitude I felt was, is hard to describe. Were you in somebody's home at this point? Where were this you? is camping outside. So you're outside, we were outside right in a Got tent it. in the middle of Siberia with okay. nobody around. Yep. And so there, there didn't seem to be any way other than through through the fear yep. to get through this particular trial. Did you have any experience with extreme cold weathers before going into this? Not like that. So I, yeah. I've got some property in South Dakota. And so I had camped outside testing in like minus 15, but I mean, minus 30, I had never experienced before. Minus 40, I'd yeah. never experienced before. Yeah. And so it, it brought me face to face with some of my, my deeper fears. And it was the first journey I've done. I go into these knowing that I've got the skills and knowing I've got the ability to, to add lib and to, to improv and, and problem solve yeah. with very little concern or fear, right? Sure. It'll work out one way or another. I know this. But this was the first adventure I've done where I, I literally sat down and, and thought about my own mortality and thought, there's a chance. Maybe it's a slim chance. I can't really quantify yeah. it, but there's a chance that I may not come back from this. And do I still want to do it if I don't? Yep. You know, if, do I still want to knowing that? And is it still worth it? And ultimately, for me, it was. I made that decision distinctly that, yes, even with that chance, I wanted to go. So there was no fooling me. There was no, you know, I wasn't Why, trying to pull was any the, wool over my eyes. What was the eyes. driver there? What, what made you, what made the draw to do it greater than the fear of, of dying? Twofold. One was, I just felt a deep need to do it, right? So there was an intuitive sense. I, I wanted this in my life. And I'm, like I said before, I'm driven to understand the world, to yep. go through all these things. So not so much for the accomplishment, just more for the experience? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely much more, I'm goal-driven in that I want to get to a goal. But when I get to the goal, it's not about the accomplishment. It's about what have I learned along the way. The goal almost doesn't matter at the end, right? It gets to once you Once you get to it. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. And I always look back, and I'm one of those people who reflects a lot. So I, I dis, like, disassemble what I've learned in processes. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the experience becomes so important to me. And then the, the second thing is, I want to see both poles in my lifetime. Like I want to get to the North Pole. I want to see the South Pole. Mm. And what this trip became to me as well is if I could survive this trip, I knew that viscerally, not just mentally, but in my body, experientially, viscerally, I knew that I'd be able to survive temperatures like that. And so then it's like a stepping stone. Knowing I could do this 
means that I know without a doubt I can survive in order to get to the poles. And so like we talked about earlier, like this became a lesson that also tied into greater goals or greater things that I want in my life. Mm. And so that alignment made it even more important to go down and to try this. And then I don't know how to articulate otherwise. I think that, that sometimes you just hit something. And this could be something you want to do in business. This could be an adventure you want to do in life. It could be that girl that you meet and you're like, man, I don't know why, but she drives me crazy and I just have to introduce myself to her. Yep. You hit something where you have to. And that's, that's what this felt like. It's I had gut to. feeling, right? Yeah. Intuition. It's, it's just part of your DNA at some point. Yeah. And that's something I've leaned into so much more in the recent six years. I used to use intuition exclusively on my, my adventures. Mm. So like, you know, when did the, I drove an ambulance from the UK to, to Mongolia, 10,000 miles. And we did so with no GPS, no real map. And what we'd do is we like had this weird, like one page map that just showed roads in big lines. And we didn't, there were no <laughs> names for the roads, right? Or highways. And we're like, we think we're in this town. And we think if we go Southeast, we'll hit this big road. And that's probably this big road. And if we follow that big road, it might take us <laughs> to this other town, right? Sure. Like stuff like this. But what that taught me and the way we went about it was almost the entire time we were running on intuition and that you'd pop your head up every now and then and go, great, I need to understand the map, right? And then I'm going to put the map away and I'm going to live life based off of intuition mm. in the interim between the next time I pull up the map, right? And so I did that only during adventures and I'd be so much in my head and like planning stuff and strategic and everything else in the rest of my life. And I came to believe and understand that I could run my life like I run my adventures mm. and that I do. I pop up my head now and then and I go, okay, great. Where am I going? What's the map? What's a, a great way to, to get there? What things can I bring to bear? Cool. Wrap that up. Put my map away. Stop thinking so much and then work more on intuition. Mm. And as I've done so, I found that I move faster. I move much more accurately. I have a lot more fun. And with people, I connect so much better because yeah. you're not constantly thinking or in your head or strategizing or anything else. You're just there in the moment with somebody. Right, right, right. Right. And so I have become so much more intuition driven, even though I am smart and strategic and all of these other things. That these things can work in concert. You just have to figure out in your life how they work in concert. Sure. No, that's interesting. What are you being drawn to today in business and life? What's next on the horizon for for plow. <laughs> for plow. Are we going professional plow? Are we going adventure plow? Are we going business plow? Where are we going? All in one. It's all in one. Yep. Like it really has. Um, so it's plow. Just plow. Love it. That's it. Yeah. At Chris, I get to do everything I want. No, it's, I realized that for me, truly, my mission is to equip entrepreneurs for the world that's coming. And everything I do is driven off of mm. that, right? So writing a book, sharing the lessons of the last 10 years yep. in order to help people move from that point of chasing success to chasing meaning and fulfillment mm. uh, because I believe that that's the fuel of the future. That if you have fulfillment and meaning as your fuel, it will last you for the rest of your life. It's like moving from fossil fuels to green energy that's sustainable and renewable, sure. right? You never burn yourself out. Yep. And so the book is to help people with that in particular. Starting a company with a couple of friends called Exponential University, mm. where we take startups and help them grow exponentially, take many of these lessons in, in order to help create technology-infused companies that will affect and shape the world. And then on the adventure side, my adventures are beginning to shift in that I'm taking other people on them mm. to see if they can achieve the same inflection points, the same lessons that I've learned 
that have shaped my life. So I'm testing one in October of this year where I'm taking four entrepreneurs out to Indonesia to climb and hike a volcano, potentially sleep in the caldera of a volcano, and just have a life-changing experience in a way that to help them find a deeper meaning beyond the rut that they're in within their life. And so for me, everything coalesces. Is like, is it in line with exploring? Is it in line with teaching and guiding? Is it in line with helping the entrepreneurs or the artists or the explorers of this world shape it? And if so, that's what I'm doing. Very cool. So for the retreat side, Mm -hmm. what shift are you trying to make in somebody? Let's say somebody comes in, they have a business, you take them on this. What's the transformation that you're looking to create for them? And what's the... What's kind of the shift that you're looking to create? So I think the shift for each person is going to be a little different in that every time I've gone on an adventure, I've come away, I call them inflection points. Every adventure I've gone on has shifted the, the direction of my life a few degrees, like some a lot and some a few. Mm. And you know, the, ultimately, the point that I end up in life is dramatically different due to that shift, that inflection. The very first one I did was that trip to Mongolia in an ambulance. Yep. And in that, that's the trip where I realized that the path I was on was completely hollow, wasn't going to get me where I needed to go, and that I needed to find the right path for me. So the shift for other people is to gain enough perspective in life that you can look back at it, look back at the path that you're following, look back at everything that you're chasing, everything that you're doing, and say, truly, is this me? Mm -hmm. Is this who I am? Is this where I'm going? Because on an adventure, not only do you have, are you pulled out of your normal life, not only are you in this kind of greater than life experience, Mm. right? Because it is an adventure, but you're also faced with challenges, challenges that make you or force you to face the real you. And if you combine those two things together, who are you really at your core with this perspective, you then are able to achieve alignment and more clearly see the path that you need to go on. So what I want from people is that perspective. And to allow them the space to see where they actually need to go and to help them execute upon that path of where they need to go. No, that makes sense. I think, you know, along those lines, I think one of the most painful places to be in our journeys are, are points probably that, you know, for the people that want to go on these adventures, they're probably in their own head thinking like, who am I? What am, am I? Am I on the right path in life? For those kind of people that don't have the clarity, they're kind of like in no man's land. What's beyond going on your retreats and getting clarity one-on-one with you, what, what are some other ways that you can find clarity like that? Oh, absolutely. And I love this because the only ability to scale something is to, to put lessons and stuff out there. Like, yep. Trust me. You, know, you may or may not go with me. You'll find somebody who's, who's right for you. Or yep. you may do the lessons on your own. I had sure. to learn many of mine the hard way. And that's completely cool, right? Sometimes even best. Just depends on sure. what you need. I think that the the true path to clarity is achieved through understanding self, right? And that the the path that you ultimately follow, the one that works is a deep understanding of self, then surrounding yourself with the right relationships that are in alignment with who you are Mm. and are genuine and people you want to hang around no matter what, who help your life forward and who you help forward. And then it's taking everything that you've learned about yourself, about the people that you're surrounded with and the skills that you have in order to affect the world. Mm. Like that's the ultimate path to follow, right? Where it starts with is everything that we have talked about. It's who are you? And so it doesn't matter. You could go on a road trip this weekend and say, look, I'm just going to jump in the car and I'm going to go someplace I haven't driven to before. And I'm going to allow my mind to wander 
like as I go on this thing. And don't right? plan it, right? Like and your, don't plan Like it. your UK to Mongolia. Just, Without a doubt, don't yeah. plan it. So you can say, look, I have a, an idea that I want to end up here, right? You don't even have to follow a GPS. You yeah. can say, look, I'm, I'm just going to follow roads, and I'm halfway point, I'm going to turn around and come home. People don't do that anymore. It doesn't matter. They don't go anywhere without plugging into their phone, their you know Google Maps yeah. and their iPhone. It's Exactly. Just go. So it's, it's all about gaining perspective, yeah. right? And you can do this in your life at any point in time. Mm. I'll give you another example of a way that I gained some perspective and just shifted my view on life. Remember when Groupons were like a thing and like, oh, yeah. like massive oh, Groupons yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that? I signed up for one that allowed me to ride on the back of a motorcycle with a professional racer around a racetrack. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome, right? I'm like, oh, it was a couple hundred bucks, yeah. right? Which isn't cheap, but it's also not super expensive. I jumped on the back with that guy, and I've ridden motorcycles for context for, since I was 13. Mm-hmm. I've ridden a lot of motorcycles. I sure. ride them. I love them. We were two up. I realize I'm like 195 pounds at this point, like wrapped around this guy and everything else as we're driving, riding down. And he's a pudgy kind of racer. I'm like, are you really a racer? You know, kind of a pudgy guy. <laughs> we took that motorcycle, the two of us, around this racetrack faster than I have ever been and like through the corners and like tighter like leans than I've ever been on a motorcycle before. Yeah. Like shifted my perspective of what's possible. Passing solo racers. Like no he way. took me to speeds and everything else <laughs> I didn't even know were possible, and it felt so comfortable. And what that did is it shifted my world and said the limits that I thought existed here for motorcycles mm. are nowhere near present, that they are like eons beyond where I thought they were. And I yeah. thought I was riding the edge, nowhere even close to the edge. So what perspective, what like little adventure, what little experience could you have this weekend in yep. your life yep. that kind of does the same thing, opens up your perspective on life a little bit, right? Mm. And then just think about it. And I I like to to ask why a lot. It's like, you know, when something's uncomfortable for me, well, why is that uncomfortable? Okay, got that answer. I don't think that's the the right answer. Ask why again. Write that down. Ask why again. And usually it's after about the fourth or fifth why, I get down to something that's core, right? Call it like digging with why. And you just keep like digging, digging, digging. You get something there, it's important. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand something about myself I didn't understand before. And I'll put it away for a couple of days. And then I'll come back to it and I will sit down and I'll journal about it. Just write mm-hmm. about it. What does that mean to me? In a free flow state, not yeah. you know, judging or anything else. Yeah. And write it down. And I often find that I make a connection between that thing, that core thing that drove fear in my life mm. and what it actually means to me. And it could be some previous experience I've had in my life. It could be yeah. rooted to some fear that I've got about being judged. And then once I write it down, right, the simple thing is I take that paper. I have a little fire pit at home, put it in a fire, like light it up, let it go. And that almost always just releases that fear for me. Like it's just something in that process of identifying it, writing it. It's like naming it, right? It's almost like, yeah, yeah. it's almost magical. It's not magical. <laughs> but it's almost magical. Like, I write you down <laughs> and I burn you and you go away, right? Yeah. But it does. Yeah, it's interesting. So any of these things, have an experience in your life that gives you perspective. Ask what you've learned from that, why it's important to you and dig down deeper than the surface level. Write about it a little bit and then release it. And if you do that and you do that over and over again consistently, the lessons you learn about yourself, where it takes you, the clarity you gain in both yourself and where you want to go, that's all you need. Give us some context of an actual example for you like in this process. Mm. Out of all of your business adventure journeys, which one makes you think to yourself, man, I wouldn't be here today if that hadn't happened or if I hadn't gone through that. Uh, I wouldn't be the person I am today. That one's easy. So I talked a little bit in our conversation about that trip to Mongolia, right? I literally, literally, there's no figuratively in this. I would not be here today without that journey. So for context for people listening and 
in sharing this, again, I'm comfortable with this. I've worked through it. So I'm going to share a couple of things here that may be a little disturbing, but I promise you I'm okay. There's nothing you need to worry Mm. about. What had happened in my life was I'd started the company Mavenwire. We'd started to achieve a bit of success. And then in late December of 2007, I received a call from my grandmother and I had lost my parents. I lost them in a very tragic way. To be very blunt, it was a homicide, suicide. And I I share that only for context. It's not important other than to realize that this was traumatic. I didn't know how to deal with it. I had no idea how to deal with that level of grief or pain or anything else that was going on in my life. I packaged that away like everybody does Mm. and stuff that in a deep, dark place. And I'm like, I am never going to deal with that again. Boom. Let's get to work. (laughs) Right. right? right. And I, two weeks later, I was back at work building this company Mm. and putting all my energy in this company. So I wouldn't have to deal with these feelings. I had no idea how to deal with. Yeah. Well, nine months later, the economy tanked, right? And so as the economy began to tank and as the company that I'd spent all this energy building and who now was synonymous with my identity began to like crack and to crumble and to, to fail, I felt like a failure. I felt like my world, like me, me specifically, I was failing in a failure right. and I couldn't show it to anybody. So the people within the company didn't know what was going on. I was taking my savings and dumping them in the company so we wouldn't have to fire anybody. Yep. Getting to like the last little bits of financial solvency just to keep everything running, mm. keeping this facade of everything's okay on the outside while inside feeling alone. And I didn't know any other entrepreneurs. I didn't have anybody to share this with. Yeah. I was taking the burden of the world upon myself. I did not have to, but right. I was. And then I started doing really dangerous things with my life, risking my life because... Kind of self-sabotage type stuff. Truthfully, I wouldn't get to a point, and I use these words specifically and distinctly, I wouldn't get to a point of suicide, but if I did something like riding my motorcycle in incredibly reckless ways and I didn't survive, I wasn't concerned, right? So if the consequences were my death and these are the the levels of stakes I was playing with, I didn't care. I truly did not care. Matter of fact, my life would be easier and then I wouldn't have to deal with all of these things and all these pressures and all this false that I felt because I was outside projecting everything was okay and inside knowing that everything was horrible, right? And And I felt that I was horrible. My friend recommended that trip to Mongolia. He just saw me doing crazy things. Like, oh, you're a crazy guy. You'll love this. But he... He, he didn't know everything that was okay. going on. Okay. Right? So he didn't even know you were at this point. No. no. So a couple okay. close friends did, but sure. very few people sure. did. And so... But it was one of those ideas that stuck in my head. And at first I was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do that someday when all this has worked out and I've got enough money and like years and years and years from now, right? right. I'll do that. And it just stuck in my head. And at one day, much like I was driven to go to Siberia, I'm like, I need to do this. And so I began to prepare my company, even though things weren't happy, they'd slowly gotten better, but they weren't great in the company. I began to prepare them for me leaving for two months and giving my partner more responsibility in the company, which he deserved and he should have had anyways, giving the key leaders that we'd hired who were phenomenal and giving them full responsibility for their areas instead of being a, a bottleneck and you know really being over control within sure. the company. And then I left. And in that particular journey, not only did I find how unhappy I was and I found at least the beginning of the path towards fulfillment and happiness, I began to deal with the grief of my parents, held a vigil for them out in the middle of the Gobi Desert and Very began cool. to deal with that grief. And in the time I was gone, because I had released all these constraints upon the company, because it was filled with people who were capable and strong, of course, we hire great, great people, it began to succeed faster than when I was in direct control. Mm right? Everything began to turn around. 
so specifically that journey, that journey I would not be here without. And that was the most, the most major inflection point in my life, something that I can't imagine what my life would be like without that particular event, without that particular inflection. Why do you think it was? Is it just because you have so much stretch of open road where you're just driving and you're not consumed with like the typical day-to-day stuff that the busyness of the day-to-day, you have to sit with your thoughts and you have to, you have to deal with it, right? You can't just sit inside your head the whole time when you're driving 12 hours a day, right? Yeah. It's, is that the reason? It's a mixture and I, that is a huge part of it, right? I call that like ass and seat time. Right? Mm-hmm. There's just a ton yeah. of ass and seat time. And for me, driving is one of those things that no matter what, if I drive for more than a couple of hours, like the subconscious seems to bubble up thoughts and yeah. things just seem to come. It's just slightly meditative to me, right? Totally. You may have something else in your life that does it. Cool. Right. It doesn't have to be driving. For me, it's, it's driving. But then it's also when you're on an adventure like this, and this is why I believe adventures are, can be important no matter how big or small they are. Mm. You're faced with different pressures. You put away the pressures that we feel that are more meta pressures that we feel in life, right? And these meta pressures are email and deadlines and financial stuff yeah. and all of these things that are constantly worrying us and constantly clouding our mind. Mm-hmm. And instead you focus on, am I safe? Can I get food? You know, like what is the next step forward I need to take? These things that are visceral, these things that are kind of, I believe are, are core to our being because like if you look back at our, our history as we evolved, this is what early man had to deal with. Right. And so our bodies are and our minds and everything else are actually adapted, evolved to handle these particular pressures directly. And as you start to get in that state of dealing with the important pressures in life, and then you start to allow those meta pressures, those meta tensions to really like release, you create the space so that when you are driving, when you have this time to walk and it could be a hike, right? But when you have this time to, for things to bubble up, Mm -hmm. there's the space for them to. So you create the space that starts to come up and then you begin to deal with it. Mm. And I think that it's that combination together that has a tremendous effect. That's yeah. I couldn't agree more for me. It's driving as well. Is it? Yeah, it is hiking as well a little bit, but I think going on a two hour plus drive alone, not with my wife Yes, because you know, we go most places together, but when I'm on my own, that's when, that's when I get all of those thoughts. They start bubbling up, and that's where I get clarity. That's where my life simplifies. I can't check email. I can't do anything else. Exactly, right? And so, and so the parallel I want to draw here, and I really apologize for, for breaking oh, in, go ahead. is like people talk about, and I've tried a lot of things, so I'll be really open here, but it's psychedelics or meditation yeah. or driving or anything else, right? All of these things get you to a very similar point, hmm. and that point is flow. That point is yeah. where your consciousness and you begin to settle down, and everything drops just a little bit. The mind enters a, a slight Zen-ish state, mm. right? And the brain waves actually change. And then that allows the thoughts that are deeper, subconscious otherwise, yeah. to, to bubble up. And so it doesn't matter how you get there. Driving, hiking, journaling, mm. meditating, for some people, psychedelics. Yep. I'm going to put a caveat on that last one, say that is not for everybody. It needs to be done responsibly and with care. I've done it, but it's something that you have to be really careful about. But all of these things are to get to the exact same point that allow you to have these exact same lessons. That's spot on. So I know we've talked a lot about getting outside the comfort zone. I mean, you live it. But outside the outside of like the adventures, let's talk more about like kind of micro adventures and getting out of your comfort zone, like even on a day to day basis. Like we're we're right here. I had Jason on. We're still here in Eleuthera and the Bahamas. So on a day-to-day basis, I know 
even here, right? It's do you constantly find yourself on a day-to-day trying to get outside your comfort zone or is it more like an, or, an organic thing where you don't have to really kind of force it or think about it? It mm. just kind of happens. My life has evolved to a little bit of, of organic. Like, so there are some things that I go into more directly, right? Sure. And I'll share those in a second. There are some things that I lean into just more organically because that's kind of how I'm driven. And there are times when I don't specifically. So the way my life has evolved There are some things in my life that are difficult for me, and in everybody's life, there's something. The thing that I'm leaning more and more into is around intimate relationships, Mm. right? Intimate relationships for me, if you want to talk about the the point of my life where I feel like, "Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) and everything else, it's intimate relationships. So you may feel fear in one area. I feel the exact same fear, and I have to lean into it because otherwise I will avoid it because it is that uncomfortable for me. So great. So I lean into it, and I'm getting that, and I've... In the past year, I've seen tremendous growth there Mm. in that gentle leaning into it, right? Other areas like meeting new people, having conversations with them, doing something that I'm not skilled at and like learning how to, I just kind of naturally lean in now because that's become my mode of operations, the way I I stand to operate. The last part is as I've gotten to know myself, I've realized that I used to push myself to incredible breaking points because I have a lot of endurance without respecting my body's need to stop and repair or the fact that I'm an introvert. While I'm outgoing, I'm an introvert and I need time to recharge, right? And so there are times when I just check in with myself and realize, man, I am worn out. Mm. And so instead of pushing these limits this particular day or this particular time, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm just going to back off a little bit and I'm just going to recharge because that recharge will allow me to go back at it Mm. with renewed vigor. Right. And so I don't have to push every moment and I don't have to force things every moment. Mm. And understanding that balance as you get to understand yourself creates a beautiful dynamic. One where when I'm leaning in, I feel excited because I know I am. And I also know that I'm going to care for myself, that I'm not always going to be like some slave driver with a whip. And so I know I'm going to care for myself and allow myself to recharge when I need Mm. to. Sounds like you've gained a really strong self-awareness of how to take care of yourself, how to treat yourself, how to even know when you need to take a step back and recharge. Have you always been like that or has it just taken a while to get to this point? I was like early on, and this is why that book I'm writing is so much around like changing from ambition to like a fuel of fulfillment and meaning and care is because I, I was a slave driver. I'm like, I will do this. And I had such ability and reserves to push myself to do things that I would just push myself for For context, when I was working at that technology startup where I was developing technology architecture for Oracle Transportation Management, I was working full-time at a tech company startup, which means I was putting in 60, sometimes even 80 hours a week. At the same time, I was going to school for theater arts almost full-time. And, you know, so like I was sleeping two to three hours a night, taking ephedrine to like stay awake or massive amounts of coffee. And I would do that for months at a time. I literally would not sleep more than two or three hours for months. And I would push my body to that breaking point constantly. Hmm. And I abused myself. And so it's in getting to know myself that I've allowed better care. Sure. And so I've gotten to know, oh, man, I'm, I'm really worn out. What's that coming from? Okay. Is it just, okay, just eat a little bit better. You're going to be fine. Or exercise a little bit more. You'll be fine. Or, hmm. man, I am worn out. I need some time to recharge. The other thing with it is because I've gotten to know myself, I've begun to care less about what other people think about me. And so when I need that time to recharge instead of, wow, I should really be out there because what are they going to think about me? It's like, screw them. They're great people. They'll understand. They love me. And he's referring to, I think a couple of days ago, you you just took a day to yourself, right? Like we're all here for a week and you just need a day to yourself. And I get that. 
Yeah, I did. I stayed in my room. Like, like we're yeah, in this beautiful cares? place. And what I did, I went in my room and I took like, like almost all like sensory stuff. And I'm like, I am just here with me. And I didn't have any fears of judgment or anything yeah. else. This is what I need. And everybody here cares. I'm going to be fine. Nobody actually cares, right? right like, right. please, I'm not that important in life. Well, we, want to, we want to spend time with you, but yeah. But if you need, you, you, yeah, if you need time, you take time. That's it. Yeah. Right. So it's it's been an evolution over time. I didn't mm. start here, and what you find is if you start to go through that evolution, your self mind talk, like that that voice in your head that's like, "Why are you stopping? What is this? You need da, 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 da. that slave driver gets a lot kinder over time mm. too. And instead, the the voice in my head is now more like. Hey, man, how you doing? You okay? All right. Cool. You want to do a little bit more? We got this. I need to recharge? No problem, man. I got your back. That's a lot cooler boss. Than right? It is. <laughs> it's, it's, always, it's like, it's like, a, like a kind of like a, this brotherly or fatherly figure, yeah, right? Nice, that, yeah. that cares yeah. instead of some slave driver. And my life has gotten infinitely better as a result of all of those things shifting. Yeah, that's very cool. So just to kind of bring it back. So what we believe here and what I believe is that repeated trying, failing, and learning is the primary factor in how quickly people and businesses will see positive outcomes. What's one directive or action item that you would give someone that has a burning desire to create a better life or a business, but aren't sure of necessarily what business to start or what action to get started with? All right. It's mm-hmm. a simple single directive. Help somebody. Right. So specifically help somebody. If you look at the things that I've done that have led towards really big shifts in my life, I stepped forward because I didn't have a clear direction of my own at the time. I stepped forward, helped somebody with their vision, learned something along the way. Me joining that technology startup that eventually led to me understanding and wanting to create my own company was because I I stepped forward and said, great, I know Jim and the company they do here. I think I can do great things. I'm going to help them achieve their vision. I'm going to learn along the way. It even happens today. Like my involvement with creating this world-class, like wonder of the world dive site in the BVIs mm. was because I, a friend of mine's like, hey, I could use a little bit of help. I had some, some spare time. So I went down there and said, yeah, I can help you build, like bend and weld metal, no problem. And ended up joining the team and spending three weeks building this incredible thing and having, like I got to meet Richard Branson again and some other stuff as a result mm. of it, right? But it happened because I decided to help somebody. So that helping somebody allows you to take action without as much pressure to do something that has to be perfect for you. Right. Right. So help somebody. Help somebody. Simple as that. I love it. If you could narrow it down to one person, who's had the most profound impact on your life and why? Man, I'm going to give you two and I'm a rule breaker. (laughs) You are. But it's, it's, it's in line. They're my grandfather, big Jim Kelly is one of the biggest men in my life. And while he was around, was the man I looked up to the most Mm. and he, his integrity, like he was a legitimate hero. He helped like pull a a pilot out of a burning fighter plane in France because he was a a fire chief and and firefighter, Mm. right? Legitimate hero. He's been one of the biggest impacts. And then my mentor, Al Smith, who taught me how to weld, taught me how to look at the world and deconstruct it and that everything is moldable. And that if I could break something apart, my mind that I could then rebuild it in a way that I wanted to see it. And a lot of other lessons. Those two men, Jim Kelly, my grandfather, and Al Smith, my mentor, my life is phenomenally better as a result of them. Amazing. Amazing. So I know you talked a little bit about Exponential University and your retreats you're going to start hosting and the book. Beyond that, or even expound upon that a little bit, what's getting you really fired up? That's it. The mission. So we talked about earlier, and you alluded to it, that we hit these points in our life where we don't have as much direction. 
right? And the, the reason that's so frustrating is because we are like balls of energy, right? We're yeah. accomplishers. We're doers. Totally. And we don't have a direction to put that into. You're like, <laughs> right. ah, oh, it drives you nuts, right? It drives you crazy. Yeah. For me, the mission is clear. Equip entrepreneurs for the world that's coming. And everything I get to do gets to be in alignment for that. And what you notice in that is there's also service in that. Sure. It's not about Mr. Plow is super famous. It's about, no, help other people, man. Yep. Right? That's what drives me. That's what I'm excited about. And that's why all these cool things are happening this year and getting created. So that's my excitement, man. That's awesome, man. Well, we can, we can wrap it up there. I appreciate you taking the time on our little mini vacation. What's the best way for people actually to reach out to you if they want to learn more about Exponential University or if they want to connect with you on social? What's the best? Yeah, absolutely. So first, man, my pleasure. My pleasure to oh, be thanks. here. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't pass this up. <laughs> if you want to connect with me, number one, my main website is chrisplow.com. You can go there, learn a few more things, and contact me from there. Twitter is probably one of the better places to hit mm. me up because it's easy just to communicate back yep. and forth. Chris Plow, P-L-O-U-G-H on Twitter. And all the other social medias, man. If you want to connect me on Facebook, anywhere else, feel free. Awesome. Uh, I share a lot of things and hopefully it's helpful. Perfect. And we'll have all those in the show notes for you to reference. But thanks again, Chris. And we will catch you guys next time. Take care, man. See you, man. You can find Chris at chrisplow.com. That's a tough spelling on his last name, but he's at chrisplow on Twitter as well. And of course, all the links, that spelling and resources Chris and I discussed, including more information on his Exponential U and his current ventures can be found at the page created especially for this episode. You'll find it all at failon.com slash 011. And also keep an eye out for the next episode to follow this one. It's going to be a bit nuts as it was recorded in a Jeep in the Bahamas with UJ Ramdas, Chris Plow, who you heard from this episode, and also Jason Gaynard, who you heard from the first episode, along with myself, of course. We discuss seeking out discomfort and go deep on whether you should have a business partner or not. It's crazy. It's fun. It's interesting. It's exciting. Make sure you listen to it. And of course, as I continue to build this project out with the simple goal of getting people to once and for all decide that they are going to fail their way to creating an inspired life. If you could do one thing to support the cause, I'd be super grateful when you click the subscribe button and leave a quick rating and review. This allows the podcast to simply be visible to more people. To rate and review the podcast really easy, just visit failon.com slash iTunes or failon.com slash Ditcher. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.